Digital Marketing Radio, episode 211. How to use customer data in digital campaign planning. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Broadcasting live on the Digital Marketing Radio Facebook page, this is the weekly show that prizes actionable advice from today's top digital marketers. Catch up with all the previous episodes at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The big interview with David Bain. Hello, I'm David Bain. Today I'm joined by a man who helps clients with their challenges in advertising, software design, and business process management. He describes himself as a technologist, a speaker, sushi connoisseur, and a travel hacker. Welcome to DMR, Scott Dubois. Hey, David. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be with you. Hey, thanks so much, Scott. Um, I had to take that little bit from your Twitter handle. Of course, you can find Scott over at Pedalia.com, and I'll include a link to that over in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. So, Scott, how do you use customer data in digital campaign planning then? Yeah, so it's it's really interesting. You know, when you talk about campaign planning, the the thing that's a lot of fun in the digital space is that no two campaigns are alike and no two clients are alike. And so for us, what's really interesting is the the tidbits that we can gain from one client to the other and reuse that. So it's 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 interesting, right? We all keep up with case studies and we'll see things about the industry and what's going on. What we find is that oftentimes it's those anecdotal things that you find that you're almost not expecting, you know, to go back to the 101 thing, right? When marketers talk about um, subject personalization in email, but when you break down to a segment, for instance, an older generation where you actually do that personalization that we find it works better at the beginning, right? Than versus some other generations. And so when you talk about campaign planning, it's sometimes those interesting data points that you learn just anecdotally by doing, by being a practitioner um, that help you to kind of bring things to the next level in, in campaign planning and, uh, and then further down the line execution. Okay. And when you talk about campaigns, are you talking about specific marketing channels? You know, so we think about campaigns on the whole, so we're not channel specific. Um, now, that's not to say, you, you know, you do have some campaigns that just might be two channels. But when we talk about a campaign, we're talking about the whole outreach, the whole everything that's going to happen as, as part of something. So if it's, um, you know, for instance, uh, in the financial services space and we're trying to get people to enroll in retirement plans, you could have on-site events, you could have, you know, communication through email, communication through mobile web apps, and then a, a microsite, a web experience. If it's on the nonprofit side and you're doing fundraising, social becomes a big component of that. So no, we, we're really channel you know, agnostic. What we're really big into is tracking that, that data across all of those channels. And then more importantly, having that data to reuse and refine for future campaigns. So no, it, it's not channel. It really is the whole, the whole bundle that we, we think about things as. Okay. Well, I reckon then data is the thing to delve into. Um, so what uh, data do you pr- primarily use at the moment? Yep. So um, in addition to all the the contact things, um, we'll get into um, some things that are really interesting. But what we think about is data are things that move the needle. So in the nonprofit space, we're finding more and more that political affiliation uh, will have a play. So we'll do a lot of data appending to append political uh, affiliation. If you're doing uh, a consumer play, it's not only the obvious things like past purchase history, but a lot of times geolocation matters, right? And so you'll find commonalities of pockets, either where people are or where they live, that can be interesting data points. So um, those are the types of data that we're looking at. But for us, what we're looking at are things that historically tell us 
um, cause and action within a segment, right? And, and that's the overarching goal when you talk about data and how we use data is um, doing smart segmentation because it's, it's very easy to go down the path and think about segmentation and, and overthink that, right? And break things down into groups that are just almost hard to execute, unmovable, or uh, that get so small that it's almost uh, an accurate way to measure them. So you want to make sure you don't go down that rabbit hole. Uh, but we're thinking about things when we talk about data that are things that actually move the needle for a segment. Okay, and are you only talking about data with um, a view to who the ad is actually viewed by or also data from a perspective of uh, what to include within the ad copy or perhaps even on the landing page as well? Yeah, and all of the above, but not even necessarily um, what to include in the ad copy, but things like how to present the ad copy. So based upon age, for instance, um, things like increasing font size, right? Um, and those types of things you can do dynamically. Um, things like male versus female, and do you have single subject or multi-subject photos that are displayed, right? I mean, those, those, those types of things that you don't even think about um, but that goes into, yeah, how, how we think about the display of things. Wow. So are you saying that um, an increased font size ad actually converts better for a, a certain agent above then? Look, there's, there, there's a rule, and that is the boomer generation, you're making a mistake if you do anything less than a 14-point font. Wow. Okay. 14 point. That's, that's exceptionally specific, specific but um, obviously that rule has been around for a while with the sound of it. Uh, well, yeah. And, and again, for us, it's anecdotal data points. Do you use data then from third parties or do you actually uh, try and just simply gather your own data for, from the campaigns as they actually run? The answer is both. So we're gathering our own data. So our clients oftentimes will come to us with a data set. As I mentioned, when we do a campaign, it's about enriching and pushing back into CRM or ERP systems uh, data that we gather. And then oftentimes there's third party data as well. So you get to uh, append. So we have a lot of clients where we're appending things like, are they a homeowner? Uh, we already spoke about political affiliation. Uh, are they parents or not? And there's, so there are, there are a few data points that, uh, depending upon the vertical you're in, uh, and, and, and for us, it's interesting too, in that we focus only in four verticals. I mean, so there are some, you know, verticals that, you know, we just don't have experience. I can't speak to those anecdotally. Um, but for us, that we, things that we understand that, that move the needle. And so we're going after those specific things. And we absolutely will work with third-party data providers to, to do data depends for that. Great. Okay. Well, um, there's obviously so much data out there, and um, I can understand you can be hyper-targeted in terms of who you're showing the ads to, but how, how do you actually decide on the data that you may incorporate within the ad copy or the landing page? Yep. So um, the data that's going to be used in the the ad copy is specifically not going to be personalized in the one-to-one -one level, yeah. right? It's going to be personalized in the segmentation level. Now, in the offer, in, in for instance, if there's a click-through to a landing page, uh, some kind of e or even printable coupon that's going to be displayed, those things get to a few different things. So, uh, if it's on a consumer level, you you might present different offers. Uh, not only monetary, right? For instance, the dollar amount that you might give off, but you might actually want to know that it's more compelling to almost do a buy one, get one offer, right? If, if you already have them, if they're already retained, um, where you can have that lift there. So there are those types of data points you want to think about. If it's in the you know fundraising space, that's a whole different level of, of what you present, right? So are they already engaged with the nonprofit organization? Or are they someone that you're trying to convert? Those are going to be two different types of, of asks and things that you'll do. So that will be a completely different message and a completely different way to customize that from a data standpoint. So is there a place nowadays just for general advertising without having a very specific um, market in mind? Or is that just throwing money away? 
No, it, it's not throwing money away at all. I mean, look, look, there are very exciting things you can do advertising and marketing with digital, but that's not to say there isn't a place for everything else. What it really comes down to is a measurement of the value proposition. So there, there are still some traditional advertising channels that are tr tremendously valuable. There are others that the value proposition is shifting. So it's uh, being make sure, look, we're talking about data, right? So it's understanding and knowing where you're getting a lift or movement in those traditional channels as well. But no, there's still very much a place for that. I think, um, you know, when you, when you sometimes hear that this just shift to 100% digital, um, that's that's not the reality of the world today. There's still absolutely a place for those other efforts as well. Okay. So I know you're fairly channel agnostic, but am I right in thinking that the best opportunity nowadays is Facebook for being hyper-specific with targeting or other other channels out there that you're finding to be just as effective? No, it's, it's Facebook and it's for a couple of reasons, right? So obviously we know what's gone on even in the last six months with the maturity of that platform from an advertiser perspective. Obviously we all know that you also buy your Instagram advertising through Facebook. And so when you talk about just channel reach specificity and what you're able to do in terms of presentation, uh, those are the two digital channels you're thinking about, right? It's going to be Facebook. It's going to be Instagram. Those are your two leaders. They're, they're the leaders for reason so no you're absolutely right that's that's where it's at today and do you tend to change your ad campaigns a lot as they actually occur or do you do a lot of research and honing initially so you don't have to do so much changing after your launch in an idea Deal world, we're not changing after launch, but the great thing about being digital is if the data is telling you something, you're agile enough that you can make that change. Mm -hmm. And so, no, abs absolutely, we have times where we're changing the campaign once we're once we're already launched, and that that's a reality of the world, and, and we will do that absolutely. Reactive or proactive, then? Though? Oh, uh, no, 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 it, it would be reactive. Reactive. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, yeah. do you do you advise all digital marketers to be reactive rather than proactive then? Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking about once it launches, right? So obviously, I think of that as two different sides. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's proactive in, all, in, in the planning stage. Um, but everything after you launch is, uh, at least the way we view it, a, a reactive measure. And that's okay, right? I mean, as, as an agency owner, right, I'd love to sit up here and say, hey, every time we launch something, every time we plan something, all we're doing are hitting home runs and, and they're a great hit. That's, uh, you know, we all know that's not the reality of the situation. So a lot of times it's, it's about showing why something is happening and the ability to be agile and, and be, as you say, reactive to a situation. Are you able to, uh, I guess, look at advertising campaigns that other people are running that aren't so good? And tell me a little bit about that and why what certain other people are doing isn't that effective. Yeah, well, look, and there's a lot of stuff that people are doing that are effective. One of the things that amazes me is um, that folks take the same approach when they go digital. I think that's kind of, I look at things that aren't effective, right? And it's the traditional approach and they go digital with it and they forget things like, um, you know, from a copywriting perspective, you know, how you capture someone's attention um, digitally is different, right? The presentation of how we read, right? Think, think about, we, we talked about Facebook, we talked about Instagram. And so the configuration of just the display of the, the, and the differences there. And so folks that won't plan for the differences in those two displays, right? Where you really should because the way people react is, is the way that they read. So you need to plan for those types of things. And so that's what we're always trying to think ahead for and, and think about, you know, how the end user interacts with the message that's being displayed. Got you. Okay. And are you always hoping for direct response in terms of measuring the effectiveness of ad campaigns that you're running? Or is it a case that um, some occasions you can't expect necessarily, you know, a, a direct 
opt-in or, or purchase as, as a result of what you're doing and be, be because of that you're measuring it as some kind of initial early touch some brand touch in multiple touch phase of, of, of gathering a customer over the long term yeah that that absolutely is true for us and, and again i want to caution this is just us as an agency the types of engagements that we have are typically measured on direct touch or, or campaign goals, right? So uh, the things that that's going to be outlined way at the beginning, we'll know what we're trying to achieve. Those, those are set and benchmarked by both us and our clients. And mm -hmm. so uh, there, there's a direct effort there and therefore the direct touch is measured. There, there are other, um, I would say, second and third tier things that you can help and measure. And uh, folks that may not just be as specific as us in, in the bigger agency world, absolutely, that, that is, that's true. Not, not every measurement is direct touch. And um, for, for us, that's only rarely, I would say. Most of the time for us, it's we're measuring direct touch, um, direct lift. We're, we're getting into conversion. Um, we're getting into uh, audience participation, actual versus expected, those types of things. Okay, okay. I mean, it's, it's my feeling that general marketing efforts are probably skewed a little bit too much towards um, the last part of the funnel where people are likely to convert and not in the consideration phase. Do, do, do you think that would be an accurate feeling to have? Is, is that fair to say that? Oh, that, that's an absolutely accurate feeling. So um, when you look at it from that regard, right, we spoke earlier um, about how things are presented to the end user. And so think, think about, um, we'll stay with the Facebook platform because it's something that everyone knows and understands. Um, when you're thinking about prepping somebody to do something, let's go to the financial services space, right? So you might use the mobile display option to do something to keep it top of mind. But folks that might sit down and make a banking decision, that might sit down and make a retirement decision, typically you're gonna do that from desktop. So you would want your ad that's crafted to be in feed to be the ad that's crafted toward taking action, right? But that all gets to what we spoke about earlier, the, the, the planning phase and how you have and you plan people to interact with what's being displayed. Does that mean that attribution is a challenge to actually measure the effectiveness of, of attempting to do that? Yeah, although the tools are getting better that you can almost sticky and um, and understand that, uh, you know, what action a person is taking from point A to point B, but yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I look forward to attribution developing. The, 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 <laughs> uh, it, it seems as if it's um, been talked about for about five years or so, but nothing so much, nothing too is, much has happened. Yeah. But um, yeah, ho hopefully it'll improve fairly soon. The, I guess the challenge is that certain last-click um networks providers don't particularly want to focus on attribution for um, yeah, yeah. Um, traffic sources that, that aren't so necessarily last click, but less of conspiracy theories, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Just one last thought on this. Um, so with, with regards to Facebook, you know, a, a lot of focus on that. Um, is there any particular style of um, advertising that you're finding very, very effective at the moment on Facebook? Uh, no, no, not, not a particular style. And I think a lot of that's just because we craft differently for the vertical. Um, but we're not, yeah, we're not finding stylistically um, much, much changing there. And I think that's just because maybe our approach to that isn't as wide. Uh, it might be a little more deep and vertical, not as wide as some other agencies. Um, so I think the answer is really, I just can't quite speak to that with, with authority, at least in our practice. I've got you. Okay, so it's got to be the most important thing from your perspective is the hyper-targeting of the audience and speaking to them specifically as opposed to whether it's an image or a video or, or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we make the decision about whether it's image or video and, and more and more it's going video. But um, we, we make that decision in, in the segmentation. 
Yeah. Got you, got you. Okay, great. Well, in a moment, we're going to be moving to the second part of our discussion where we'll be asking Scott about the software that he couldn't live without. But first of all, dear viewer, dear listener, have you purchased my copy of Digital Marketing in 2017, the book yet? So 107 digital marketers, one book, all sharing their number one actionable tip of the year and written by me. So check out the reviews and grab your copy over at digitalmarketingin2017.com. But let us segue over to the second part of our conversation. So that focuses on Scott's thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So Scott, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Boy, that it would significantly impact the marketing success. That's uh, that. That's an interesting one. I, you know, I'm not sure because there are so many tools. I can tell you, and, and this is just me too. In our business, I'm more of the forward-facing uh, in the planning and client relationship side. There are two tools that I couldn't live without in my day to day, and those are Slack. Number one. Um, and number two is something I've just recently got turned on to. It was actually by my business partner, my co-founder, uh, and it's a neat tool called Bear, which yeah. is Bear, yeah, um, which is a, just an incredible way to take notes, refine thoughts, and come back to things in, in a way I really haven't seen before. And it, um, it, when you get the pro version, it actually syncs between your phone and your computer, but um, it's it's just the best note taking I've ever seen. I mean, simple things like um, organize the way you think of a web page. Uh, oftentimes you'll be in a meeting, you'll want to actually insert a picture. You actually literally do that if, you, if you're on the phone. You take it, you, you resize it in, um, and then you organize. And it's just a, it's, it's a really neat way to do that. So I just recently got turned on to it. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, in a short time made a big impact. Okay, great. Now, I normally just uh, take a note of um, what people say and link to it from the show notes and the podcast. But I'm thinking I'm going to have a challenge searching Google for bear. So um, what's the URL for that? Do you know, do you know that as well, uh, Scott? Uh, you just go into, uh, at least I know on Apple, you just go into the app store, you type bear. It's, it is the first thing that comes up. It's called, yeah, it's, it's bear app. But um, B-A- let's see if, you know, as the animal. Yeah, B-E-A-R. Yep, absolutely. Okay, um, And uh, yeah, so it's, I'll tell you, it's an incredible, incredible tool. It's uh, in the URL, just to give that to you, is actually bear-writer.com. So bear-writer.com. Superb. Okay, I'll certainly include that in the, the other tools that you mentioned there in the show notes there. Um, we're recording this live on Facebook, of course. Mark Preston. Hi, Mark. You um, have just said, I sure have, David. I think that you were referring to the book saying that you've got your copy. So thank you very much, Mark. Um, But I'm going to ask Scott a little bit more challenging question, and that is what piece of software don't you use, Scott, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Boy, that's that's a good question. I think that's just because the second somebody tells me about something, I try it. Um, can I flip that around? Can you can you give me a tip? Can you give me something you think I haven't heard of that I need to try? Because trust me, I'll be doing that tonight. I mean, to a certain degree, it's it depends on context and what you're doing yourself there as well. I mean, I see that you're set up with um, your own decent-looking microphone and uh, your your headphones there as well. So perhaps you're a bit more um, into podcasting. I'm I'm using an app called Boss Jock on my iPad to bring in audio into my podcast. Um, so that that's a pretty cool app to use if you're into podcasting. Studio, I'm, I'm on it, literally I'm Googling 
while, while you're talking to me. So good. Okay. Uh, Fine. I'll, I'll make sure to drop you an email and let you know. Okay, that sounds good. And um, um, in the meantime, I'll, I'll flip it again and ask you another question. And um, I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back in the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Yeah, so I think in, in the early days, um, and it's why I brought it up at first, um, taking segmentation too far too deep, right? And so segmentation works in terms of breaking things up that are, that are movable or things that move the needle for our clients. But you can very easily take that too far and break it into too many groups where it either becomes unmanageable or unmeasurable. And you want to make sure you don't fall into that. Now, in terms of software, we, did, we didn't really talk about uh, kind of email marketing and CRM, that, that, that kind of thing as well. Um, do, do you have much focus on that as well? Or are you able to give any recommendations with regards to software for that? Yeah. So, I, I mean, in terms of CRM, we, we do. And just because we do so much custom software, you know, we're integrating, you know, with all the, all the big ones. I mean, we done so many Salesforce integrations. Uh, internally ourselves, um, we use Agile. We really like Agile from a, from a CRM perspective. Uh, in terms of email marketing, uh, almost everything that we do is built on two platforms. It just depends what we're trying to achieve. And that's either Campaign Monitor or SendGrid. Uh, you talk about tools and software that we use. I mean, it would just be so easy to include them, but I think everyone knows about them. They're the industry leaders and in, in what we, you know, and what they do. And so uh, both of them are just tremendous, both in terms of service level and support. Uh, and so we've built a lot of custom apps on the backbone of, of those two uh, products offerings as well on the email side so for sure Interesting. Yeah, SendGrid just started off as transactional type emails, but they, they have moved into more newsletter offerings as well, haven't they? Absolutely. But you know, in, in our world, so much of what we do is transactional, where we've been using them now for know, a lot of years. So yeah, back in the transactional days, they were they were the player and uh, and continue to be today. They're just a great company. Right. Okay. And, and many, certainly smaller businesses aren't aware of the fact that um, if they have automated emails that go out, a large percentage of them just want to get delivered effectively. And it's so important to use a third-party provider like SendGrid to ensure that you do get the, that deliverability. Yeah, they're the leaders in deliverability. And you mentioned kind of automation or drip campaigns. In the last, uh, I, don't know, I would say, it's been in the last four to six months, um, we talked about Campaign Monitor as well. They just rolled out, they call it their automation tools, uh, a major, major update there. And so for other agencies that might be looking at what they can do, uh, that platform's gotten pretty mature and, uh, and it's worth a look if, uh, if you're not using it today. The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Just two rows here. Try okay. not to think about the answer too much, and you're only allowed to use the word both on one occasion, so use it wisely. All right. <laughs> okay, so you ready to go? Let's go. Twitter or Snapchat? Snapchat. Facebook or LinkedIn? Facebook. YouTube or Facebook Live? Facebook Live. Mobile or desktop? Mobile. Website or app? Website. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Outreach or advertise? Ah, advertise. Email to one or email to many? Well, in an ideal world, your email to one looks like, your email to many, you know, looks like an email to one, yeah. Is that so? It's a preference towards email to many, but but, but personalization. Yeah, it, it, yeah, let's yeah. put it this way: it's got it's got to be email to many, just in terms of execution. Sorry, okay. sorry. Social we'll now. Back. social subscriber or email subscriber. Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Both. Okay. You kept that for the last one, possibly a good idea there. Uh, but 
you did struggle with outreach or advertise by the sound of it. Yeah, I, and, and um, it's just, no, I, I'm sticking with my answer, advertise. Yep, okay. got reaction. That's what you want. Are you? Are you? I like just just delving into an answer a little bit, um, and I'm I'm just wondering: does does that mean that you're starting to use outreach a little bit more within your own business? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, that's just when you talk about you know in in our own business for sure. Outreach is a big component of you know as we look to to, to grow. Um, there is that direct outreach, um, but you have to believe in in what you're doing. So at the end of the day, it's um, yeah. It's It's um, tough sometimes when I guess you're delivering certain services for clients, but you're perhaps approaching things from a slightly different perspective to grow your own business as well. And so I understand uh, perhaps what you were thinking there. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's really interesting in that the number one way we grow our business today is not a digital channel. It's uh, it's I do a lot of public speaking, and uh, it, it works. The $10,000 question. So it's the $10,000 question, and that is, if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, that's an interesting question. I literally, we were talking about that a second ago. Uh, I would spend it on finding places where I think potential prospects could be and seeing if I could get out and speak or be in front of them. We just find public speaking to be the number one um, way to get out and generate new business. Uh, For me, it's essentially going to be look at the audience size and for every 100, can I turn one into one to a lead? Um, We're very data specific. We find that that's that's our goal. So in a room of uh, 400, my goal is to see if I can't get four prospects uh, out of that. So that's how I measure it. If you're looking specifically for a digital answer, it would be Facebook ads. I love the fact that marketing is integrated now it's not digital marketing it's not just marketing or offline marketing it's just marketing as a whole there and i think your answer really demonstrated that as well and i i love your integration with offline speaking as i love webinars and podcasting and that didn't really used to be part of the online media mix but it's all kind of one now and people are people no matter where they happen to be it's just it's not just online people is it so Great answer, I think, yeah. So that just takes us up to... My number one takeaway. Your number one takeaway. So, Scott, you've offered a lot of great advice in a conversation, but what is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that a listener needs to take away and implement in their business? Yeah, so I think uh, it's something that I learned very early on, which is um, you've heard me say today that I'm only speaking to our practice and what we do. And it's something I learned early on and I think is very important, which is don't try to be all things to all people. You're going to become a much better subject matter uh, expert. You're going to have anecdotal evidence in what you do uh, if you get very good at at the space that you play in. That's not to say that you shy away from things, but just understanding your business and making sure that you stay hyper-focused on that and not trying to be all things to all people, um, I think is a, is a good takeaway and a tip that um, that I learned early on and, and has served me well. Great advice. Um, well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for a listener to find out more about you and what you do? Sure. So the best way would be to connect on the landing page we have um, for this podcast. So pedalia.com slash digital marketing radio. So P-I-D com slash digital marketing radio and be a recap of everything we chatted today as well as uh, all, all of my contact info. Lovely. And I'll make sure I include that link in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. Digital so thanks to Scott and thank you to your listener too. 
if you have an opinion of what Scott shared today, tell us what you think. So, the Facebook page is facebook.com slash digitalmarketingradio. And this episode, uh, Mark Preston's uh, given a lot of great feedback. Thank you, Mark. And, um, of course, dear listener, you can also tweet me at, at David Bain. So, remember to subscribe to the podcast as well, if you're not already. You can do that at digitalmarketingradio.com slash iTunes for iPhones or digitalmarketingradio.com slash Android for Android devices. But until we meet again, be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios.